Koshian Cast, the only show where we wish we didn't have to watch Minami Kamakura and waste time not playing Zelda. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. That's me. Hey, welcome to the show, as usual, Matt. Oh, thank you. Although, I don't know if I can be included in that first-person plural, since I am still much to my angst and frustration not playing Zelda. True, but you do wish you were playing Zelda instead of watching Minami Kamakura. I mean, whenever I'm watching Minami Kamakura, I'm wishing I'm doing almost anything else. <laughs> Fair enough. I know what you mean. So, for those of you just joining us, uh, we are... I don't know what I meant by that, but... Uh, we are on week 10 of the winter season, uh, covering all sports anime from the 5th to the 11th of March. Uh... So, just one quick announcement. So, this week, in lieu of doing TQ, we are doing its spinoff series, uh, Takamiya Nasuno Desu, which basically, which just translates to, I am Nasuno Ta uh, Takamiya. Right. Uh, and the, next week, we are going to be covering the other spinoff series to TQ, uh, Usakame. Right. So, cool. I, anything you'd like to add? Uh, I don't think I have anything. Let's just jump into Yaopeda. Okay, cool. Sounds good to me. Alright, so this episode, we uh, join Sohoku back again. Uh, episode pretty much focuses on that particular team. Uh, we get introduced to two new characters who are, who are attempting to join the club. Uh, uh, Danchiku, who is very silent. And uh, then we also have his buddy, uh, Kaburagi, who is a very talkative first year and who doesn't believe uh, in Oda's... Well, doesn't believe Oda, Onoda is Onoda. Right. And what happens is we get the... Uh, basically, since Sohoku won the Inter High last year, uh, they have a whole host of new uh, recruits to the club. And so they're going to be doing their famed first year race in just a few weeks where they're going to compete and see who... But, you know, it's just kind of like a fun ride, but... Essentially, what happens was Danchiku and Kaburagi agreed with Teshima and Aoyagi that if they won, if they scored first and second in the uh, in the first year race, then they would be allowed to ride in the Inter High. And what and but however, what we also find out is that uh, Sugimoto. Uh, yeah, Sugimoto. I could not think think of his name there, and I was trying to find it. Uh, Sugimoto was has also decided to join the first year race despite being a second year because he really wants to prove himself to the team and because, you know, he really has not been trying hard enough. You know, he's really not that great of a racer, but so he wants to prove himself to the team and prove that he can be, you know, just as a vital member of the team. And what we discover is... And so, basically have the three main racers in that race, uh, Sugimoto, Donchiku, and uh, Kaburagi. And that pretty much concludes the episode. Well, yeah. So they don't they don't actually do much of the race itself. So they just sort of right. get it started. They um, get into the area. They they have to take some time to get through the city, uh, right. and then they get into the open area where there aren't as many traffic right. signals, and they're able to actually begin racing. And that's where Donchiko and Kobaragi sort of pull ahead. Right. There was this whole incident where, uh, during that whole section where Sugimoto 
uh, has to kind of race ahead to keep some first, some other first years from racing on ahead because, you know, they really want to win the race. And so, you know, they kind of want to ignore the rules. And Sugimoto kind of declines their offer to kind of cheat a little bit with them. Uh, so, Matt, thoughts on this episode? Uh, I thought it was kind of all over the place. Um, yeah. You didn't, I mean, you mentioned the important parts of the plot and made it seem like this episode was coherent. <laughs> uh, which I appreciate, but it had about six or seven different plot threads that had a, about two minutes each. Right. Um, so at the beginning of the episode, we have Imaizumi and Naruko have this whole interaction about uh, Imaizumi coming up to Naruko and being like, so you've made your decision, right? About like, you're, you are training for the, for you know, you're training as an all-rounder now, right? Well, he doesn't Naruto's... even say that. He doesn't even call Oh, him he all... doesn't? Well, no, he just says, like, you've done what you had to do, right? And oh, Naruto's like, yes, I have. And then Onoda thinks back about, well, you know, Naruto sure has been working hard, as opposed to the other times when he's been slacking off. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, when, in this show, when they talk about, like, oh, such and such sure has been working hard, I don't know how to take it seriously, because when aren't they? Right. Yeah. I mean, that is true, especially because I didn't Naruto say something about having like a new technique he's going to unveil or he has like a special something. Yeah. I mean, it was unclear and uninteresting. Um, right. <laughs> but it, it included the fact that he briefly had, they had to have a, a conversation about Naruto getting a different hairstyle where right. he slicks it all the way back, and then they had to mess it up. Like, I don't know what any of that accomplished, but... I mean, I guess it, it's a little bit more of a slice of life, you know, kind of bring, you know, kind of a little bit of a comedic interlude be in between, you know, the uh, the Hakone race and the uh, and the first year race, as it were. I guess, Which, but what was more inexplicable was a, a second brief plot point uh, between Teshima and Aoyagi, Oh, yeah. Uh, so, at, at one point, apropos of nothing, uh, Teshima and Aoyagi walk into the club room by themselves and say to each other... Well, Teshima says to Aoyagi, you know, sometimes we won't be able to say everything we want to say in front of our juniors. And now that, <laughs> now that we're third years, uh, whenever that happens, we, we always have this... And then he pulls out a single pair of gloves, which, like, have somebody, like, took a Sharpie and wrote the words victory on the back. And they each take one of the gloves and put them on and then grasp each other's hands. Right. And, and that's the whole scene. That's it. That's all they do. And there's no explanation for why where these gloves came from I mean, clearly it's it's a, some kind of callback to when they had to work so hard to get on the team in the first place but they're totally unironic about how silly it is for someone to be carrying around a sacred pair of gloves for <laughs> hand holding when they can't talk to their juniors like what does that even mean what are they even talking right. about and I mean, I, we've kind of touched on this a little bit last episode about the whole like force like symbolism of the water bottle of Manami. Yeah, and it kind of falls into that same uh, into that same category where okay, we need to have this sort of visual icon of these two characters' relationship. Yeah, and we have to make it seem like it represents this great deep bond between these two characters mm -hmm. 
Because, frankly, how else are we going to sell merch? You know, we want to sell cosplay gear. We want to be, uh, so people can dress up as their characters. You know, wear that glove, you know, that symbolic club. Or glove, sorry. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, no, that's the icon. You know, that's what speaks to me about Teshima and Aoyagi. And it's like, you know, you guys have, the funny thing is, they've already done the work on their, on their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to have, like, this sort of symbolic gesture between the two of them that really kind of comes from nowhere. No, I agree. Uh, it was it, it was totally all over the place, lots of little nonsense, and it didn't really build up any character that much on their own, aside from introducing the new ones, who themselves aren't that interesting. They're just very passionate. So, like, the deal that kobaragi offers when he the first day he joins the club he says once we do the the first year race if uh me and don chiku get first and second uh you'll put us on the team and then teshima just says okay um (laughs) even though they're the first two members who've joined and he's never seen them ride before he just says okay i'll put you both on the team if you get first and second like so obviously that that says to me that they won't get first and second. They they can't right. because we already have five of the six members who have to be on it. So right. is this going to be next episode where Teshima has some all-knowing monologue where he says, <laughs> I knew Sugimoto had it in him and he was going to pull ahead. There was never any risk of uh, anyone else getting first place. Um, yeah. Uh, what I could see possibly happening is maybe only one of them gets first. Like, one of them well, will get first, but Sugimoto will throw a wrench in their plans. But that's also going to be weird, because the promise was so that if they get first and second place, so are they just going to give it to the first place guy and just sort of throw uh, Sugimoto to the curb then? Well, I don't know. Um, I think it would be kind of weird if Sugimoto does actually end up on the team, because then they don't introduce any new characters to the inner high squad. Right. So I have to assume... My my assumption, honestly, is that there's some secret first year who they haven't introduced yet who's going to surprise everybody. Uh, (sighs) You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. At the same time, the series has never been good about setting up like mystery characters like that (laughs) like i mean let me put it like this they could have easily done something like that during the inter high and it was basically all about mito suji and then the entire hakone team well yeah they 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 did have that one they tried to have the evil racer who manipulated the crowds but then he just lost and wasn't that big a deal at the end yeah, basically, it was ba- it was only like a couple episodes. It wasn't really like he wasn't really like a major villain. Yeah, I mean, we can uh, say that because we can't even remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He was not an important character, and so that's kind of why I'm hesitant to say that they'll do something interesting. Yeah, kinda <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll take it as it comes. Uh, yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, just one. I, I I just want to end on at least a positive note with it. Okay. I did get a good chuckle about uh, about the joke with Anoda. Uh, who was apparently uh, he was accidentally being like an intimidating uh, second year. Oh yeah, I, I did get a couple laughs out of the fact that every time he was trying to be encouraging and uh, you know like kind-hearted, he always came off as exceedingly confrontational. 
Well, yeah, he doesn't know how to be a senpai, so... Right. Um, I, I, I mean, it's a cheap gag, but, you know, I got a few laughs out of it. Yeah, and every, I mean, the thing, the part of that that made sense to me was that because he was the national champion, everyone was intimidated by him. Because you have to imagine a lot of these people only went to that school because they won the inner high. Um, right. So they're super intimidated by Inoda anyway. Right, exactly. So, I, I, and I thought that aspect was at least a little interesting, but, yeah. you know, it's still not much. But if you want to talk about something interesting, why don't we talk about March Comes In Like a Lion? Alright. Decent. <laughs> decent. Uh, so this is March Comes In Like a Lion, episode 21. Uh, the, the focus here is, uh, again, on Shimada. Uh, the first half of the episode has Shimada and Rei and Nikaido uh, going to Yamagata, Shimada's hometown, for a shogi tournament slash festival that uh, I guess has been going on for several years. Um, Shimada, of course, is the guest of honor, and he's trying to get out of the funk. He still goes into it pretty depressed and ashamed about getting swept out of the Lion King tournament. Um, but he goes anyway. Uh, the, the festival starts off with human shogi, where Nikaido and another character uh, have... They, they play a shogi match, but real people play as the pieces. Uh, and then a, a bunch of the, the pro shogi players, including Shimada, uh, do a group shogi competition against uh, local citizens. Um, it comes out that Shimada had actually set up a shogi club for the elderly in town because they were getting snowed in not getting supplies, not having community, and he's gone out of his way to support them and pay for their groceries. Uh, and so it, Ray learns a lot of this through a reporter, and then they just sit around and talk about how cool Shimada is. Um, and then at the end of that section, the uh, folks from Shimada's hometown reassure him that it doesn't matter that he lost, that they'll always be there, they'll always support him. Uh, and he doesn't need to feel so much pressure to rush into being a master. Um, right. The second half of the episode is focused on the sisters and, and their grandfather, who have an extended debate about what the appropriate filling would be for a new uh, Japanese pastry that they want to make and sell. Uh, they end up deciding on making pastries that look like snowmen with uh, different <laughs> fillings in each half so the the top ball has a different filling than the bottom and they get mix and match um and then they talk about their mom for a little while and uh, at the end of the episode ray happens to be walking by their house when hina calls him and they invite him in and they all eat together right um, so I thought this episode was a, was kind of interesting. It, it was a little light, I'll say. It was a lot light. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> I, I thought what was most interesting about it was was kind of the the uh, the contrast between Ray and Hina, because I, I kind of saw this episode as both the characters almost sort of going back to their roots. So for like the entire point, I kind of saw of that of the. Uh, of, like, the live-action Shogi match, was it was kind of a reminder that Shogi is kind of meant to be a representation of an actual battle. Uh, because, I mean, that's what, like, Shogi and, like, chess, for example, you know, they're basically, they're war games. Mm -hmm. And I kind of saw that as sort of a return to the roots, 
while the whole thing with Hina was, you know, she was kind of trying to go back to the roots, you know, they're kind of trying to go back to what made their restaurant popular in the, or not their restaurant, their bakery in the first place. Uh, and, you know, that was, you know, something that their mother had come up with, with. you know, their special design that they have for their signature pastry there. And we kind of got more of a direction for both characters. What with Ray kind of seeing through Shimada and his whole, uh, his whole goal of, you know, trying, you know, he has kind of a, he has kind of a other purpose beyond just Shogi. Right. Like he, you know, he kind of finds meaning in like helping out these elderly people, you know, kind of taking them to and from uh, their house. And, you know, he kind of lost sight, you know, that's what he was trying to do in the first place. And I, I think Ray has a little bit more of a direction now to understand like, okay, I need to be focusing more on the people I do care about, which is why we had that whole sequence of the surprise that he was actually just standing right outside uh, the girl's apartment. Because I believe that's the first time he's actually initialized, like, going to see them himself. Well, I'm not sure that he was going to see them. It, that wasn't totally clear if he was going to see them or if he just happened to be walking by. Maybe maybe he was. My, my impression was that he was... It was the camera angling was kind of weird because it like the way he was standing did look like he was kind of walking by, like handing to his yeah. side. At the same time, he was kind of stopped. Yeah, also like, in front of their house. Yeah, also it's not necessarily like they're right on his route to get home. Right, exactly. So I don't know. I I kind of took that as maybe he was kind of like trying to work up the courage to actually go inside. Yeah, that makes that makes more sense instead of because I took it as a random coincidence, and I'm like, well, that's kind of lazy. But obviously, I just wasn't thinking about it. Right. Well, because the other thing was that if you recall, he actually has like a bunch of gifts for them with him. Yeah, and again, I yeah that that makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, I, I, I kind of feel like that's kind of the first step for Ray actually, like, trying to do something with the, uh, with the sisters. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of him sort of coming to accept that these girls are a very important part of his life. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, you know, we kind of have more of a direction for Hina now as well. You know, she wants to kind of take up, she kind of wants to, uh, take on the role of her mother. You know, she wants to keep working at the bakery because she does really enjoy it. And she wants to work, you know, side by side with her grandfather. So, this does kind of put an interest, like, how is the series going to end now? Because next week is the last episode. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Um, I don't really know how you develop, like, it, and Ray has developed to a place where it seems, you know, the last few episodes was he's been supporting Shimada. It seemed like he's been the one providing something instead of needing something. You know, most of the show, he's been the one who's needed support, and now he's providing support. So right. that seems to sort of be an end of an arc for him. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it ends. Maybe it just ends by setting up season two. Uh, perhaps. Because, I mean, there is there is that aspect of it, because it is an ongoing manga. Right. Yeah. So the story. I don't think we're going to get a... Yeah, exactly. It's not going to be... I don't think it's going to be a definitive ending. I think it's going to be kind of a vague-ish, like, oh, it's over. Like, this story arc is over. But, you know, kind of leave it open. Because we do have more to cover, possibly. Yeah, we definitely have more to cover. Um, right. Yeah, I, I think this is probably, more certainly, the end, the end of Shimada's arc. Because he, he got some real resolution where he was able to sort of reset 
realize that you know the people in his life didn't hate or resent him for losing and he's able to say like well it's it's gonna be spring again i can start over and that's you know that that's not so bad right yeah exactly it's like you know i got another year whatever like it's time for it kind of it's kind of a time for me to kind of pick up the pieces yeah so i i can't imagine there'll be too much dwelling on shimada um i don't know i think if I were to guess, I'd say the the last episode might have some resolution for Nikaido and Ray, maybe. Right. That that kind of because I feel like we haven't got much of a resolution between the two because Nikaido keeps showing up, and like he and Ray are kind of talking, and we kind of had that setup of the two of them becoming closer friends a couple episodes ago. Yeah, but didn't really. Oh, uh, where they kind of. Yeah, and it's like we we haven't really gotten that like conclusion yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do kind of feel like the series is going to end with Ray moving in with the sisters. Like, I, I still think that's probably how it's going to end. Because hmm. they kind of set that up, too, with the whole fact, you know, these are, these, they kind of set that up, too, with the, uh, we, we kind of skipped over this during the summary, but there's this whole thing about the girls who are really short on money, and, like, they when they go out to get a snack and they go overboard, mm-hmm. uh... And they end up spending, like, 1,600 yen, which only equates to about, like, I think about, like, $12 or so. But, you know, uh, Akari is still kind of, like, mortified over how much they spent on it. Right. Because it's like, oh, man, we're going to have to make ends meet now. Like, really, really make ends meet. So, we already know that Ray has a decent amount of money set aside because he only... He only, uh uses the bare minimum to survive. So I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of his role for the girls. Like, he's going to be able to help them out and pay for, you know, kind of help them survive. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess so. So, um, speaking of things we need to find out, um, all out. (laughs) We need to find out? (laughs) (laughs) We need to find out about all out. Okay. All right. Tell me about all out. I will. Okay. So apparently, uh, with we get a follow up with the uh, Yoshida asking for the game with Rio and Rio agrees, but they kind of only agree on the basis that they're going to be sending out their second string. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, but you know that's good enough because you know it's still like one of the best teams in the district. You know, even their second string is going to be pretty good. So everybody is kind of. Uh, some people on the team are kind of, are a little miffed with Gion for kind of starting up this rivalry. Uh, but we kind of get also a, uh, we kind of get a little bit of a slice of life with the other guy. We kind of find out a little bit more about the team, about this tradition they have, about playing rock, paper, scissors to see who goes to the bath first. And there, there's kind of a weird twist of fate where Shingo wants to join and Sekizan basically has to back down and go get the other boys. And then we also get... The real meat of this episode comes from a discussion between uh, Oharuno and uh, a character by the name of Suwa, who wants to uh, really... Basically, he kind of resents Oharuno because he's so incredible. You know, he's got all this natural talent, and Suwa, like, gets annoyed with Oharuno because of how, like, blasé he acts towards him. Or kind of reacts to the uh, fact about how good he is. And they kind of have this very long discussion about 
you know, Sua's whole problem isn't even so much the fact that he's hyper-talented, but, you know, he has the goal to tell him, like, you just need to work harder. It's just like, yeah, you know what, I've seen other people who work really hard. Some people turn out fine, and some people don't. Like, I've got really weak eyes, I don't exactly have the best build, and it's a real struggle for me to actually, like, even keep up with everybody. And, uh, Oharano kind of ends the conversation by telling him about, like, there's this, uh, like, the captain of the all-Japanese team, who's kind of very similar to Sua, and, but, you know, he kind of work, but, you know, he kind of does what he can, he's not a particularly talented guy, that sort of ends the conversation, Sua and him sort of make up, and then Sua goes out to keep training. Mm-hmm. Uh... And then there, I mean, there are a couple other small things I skipped over, but I'd say that's largely the meat of the episode. Yes. Uh, so I, I thought this was an all right episode. Uh, it, it again, it kind of feels like a bit more of a setup episode for the very end of the season, uh, for the big game against the Rio and the second string. They did kind of set up this whole thing about how they want to basically they want to try and bring out the first string through their play that's kind of their goal for this game yeah well you know that's that's gonna happen to some degree right probably i think this is a good moment to also set up Ryoen for hanazono because i I really like the fact that they are like this gets so uh like skimmed over in so many sports series including like good sports series uh like where you know, you have these giant teams, and they're always set... You know, you only get a look at their, like, their top-tier players. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, you only get a, uh, like... There's always kind of this implied, it's like, no, they're this giant school with this whole... Like, with this gigantic team of, like, like swarms of players. And it's like, you know... And here's but, five of them. Yeah, basically. We get to know five of them. We get to know the five very best here, it's like, okay, great, so this is a great way to set up this team. Show how good they are, just their second string. I am shocked that very few other series have attempted to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Like, where you have, like, the champion team, and, like, just showing, like, the people who got passed over for them. Yeah. For, like, the main team. And I, I really like what they're going to be doing here with that. Well, so on second thought, it may be something where... Jinko has to realize that the second string is still so good that they can't... That just because there's a second string doesn't mean that they can be taken lightly. And the first string doesn't come in. Um, and so they have to realize how much work they still have to do because even the second string was better than them. Right, exactly. And that was kind of my thought. Like, I, you could take this in a couple different directions. Like, you can take it in that direction. You can take it into a direction of how, like, kind of the comparison between how hard they have to work just to bring in the first string players, and then when they come in, uh, you know, you get to see just how monstrous this team is. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a bunch of different ways you can go about that. You know, I appreciate how much they're kind of keeping the formula open. Um, something I didn't necessarily appreciate about this episode, we're pretty close to the end of this season, and they're still right. introducing characters on the main team. Um, yeah. Like, for, for me personally, there's nothing wrong with having some background characters who don't get their own significant development. Right. Um, because you just, you need that. Not every character can get their own arc, especially when you have a team of, you know, 30 people. Um, right. 
but they felt the need to have Oharano have this moment with another character who we've never really had that much interaction with. Um, right. And the same goes for the beginning of the episode uh, with Gion uh, taking lessons from a couple of senpai who we really, I don't know if we know why we care about them. Yeah, it's like his, it was like uh, Kasuga was yeah. his name. And it was and because uh, I specifically wrote it down because I was like, are we supposed to know who Kasuga is? Exactly. Like, why are we treating this guy like he has an established character and we know why he right. always acts so pissed off or something? Right, exactly. And it's like, I, I, you know, I appreciate that we're kind of getting a little education about, uh, like, Gion and, uh, well, not necessarily Gion, but kind of his role and his yeah, big weakness. What's a flanker about the supposed to do? Right, but and you know, I kind of I, I appreciated that lesson, but at the same time, it's like I, I assumed Kasuga at first was a member of a different team. Yeah, and, and that was kind of my issue. That's what what gets me is would that section have been any less informative and useful if Sekizan had been the one giving instruction or right. anyone else? You know, Abumi, anybody who was well established, uh, instead of right. having to simultaneously build up a functionally new character and give information about how rugby is supposed to work and what the flanker does. Right. And, yeah, that, that part didn't work. It is, it's been a bit of a weakness of the series, of just having such a gigantic cast and insisting that we need to know them all. Like, I, I know the names of the other schools, like Ryoin and Keijo, but, and, you know, of course, Tenjiku, but... I couldn't tell you the names of anybody at this point. Even I don't even remember the name of who was the main guy on like Tenjiku anymore. And that was just like a couple episodes ago. I could go back and listen to the episodes. I'm sure I said his name, but I don't remember it anymore. Rinpei. Yeah, there you go. I know you're probably just looking at the notes, hey, but don't give away my secrets. This is audio only. Nobody needs to know that. <laughs> uh, I knew I'd recognize it when I saw it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, but but... The, the same goes for um, Oharano's development with Soa. So, like, this, uh, or Sua, what, who cares? His name doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> which, f I was a little more okay with it because he was just there to be a stand-in for Oharano's brother. Because this is this recurring thing where Oharano feels guilty about his brother quitting rugby, and he feels responsible right. for it. And so it sort of was um, reiterating some of the things he'd heard about, like, oh, it's not fair, you have natural talent, I just suck. Uh, I don't want to play when people who don't have to work as hard uh, can just do it easily. And Oharano, one, is frustrated, like, you just do the best you can, like, you know, you're only responsible for doing what you can do. Uh, you don't get to, like, complain that someone else is better. You, It's worthwhile to just do your best. Um, and two, you don't get to decide that other people have it easier or other people are natural talents because and of course that's reinforced at the end when he goes outside to run and he sees oh even abumi's out here running i thought he was a natural talent but it turns out he has to work hard too so it's not that complex or in deeply interesting because it just reinforces this uh really critical lesson that working hard is good um right which i don't know if that needs to be reinforced uh, and, I mean, that's the thing, uh, even if you wanted to do that, kind of going back to what you were kind of saying before, 
again, why do we need this character Sua to do it? Right. Like, we already have... Uh, a, we already just had that one character just last episode who spends time at night practicing, like... Kifune. Why, yeah, Kifune. Why don't we just do that? Yeah. Like, why not just make that character Kifune? You already put in the effort of introducing him. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it's like... And not only that, but what you were saying there about uh, establishing the whole, like, work hard is good. Like, it, it is kind of retreading old, old ground. Uh-huh. Uh, just because, like, I mean, that's been what this entire series is called. I mean, it's called All Out because <laughs> it's about the people going all out. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I don't know. There there wasn't really a lot that, that was interesting outside of the setup for the Rio one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still do enjoy All Out. It still was probably one of the highlights of this week, but... Oh, yeah. It's, it's always a highlight, but this was not the best episode of All Out. Right. Uh, speaking uh, of something else that didn't have its best episode, do you want to uh, discuss yeah. Tiger Mask? Oh, I guess. All right. Fun time. So, Tiger Mask episode 22. Uh, Fukawara Mask decides that he wants to host a wrestling tournament in his hometown? Um, sure. To revitalize it, because that's a, <laughs> a recurring thing. Wrestling can revitalize a local economy just like that. Um, yeah. So he decides to recruit a bunch of pro wrestlers. Um, he manages to force uh, Haruna as Spring Tiger and Tiger Mask to participate because he tells Haruna that he and he alone realized her secret identity as Spring Tiger and he uh, holds that over her head. Uh, so she participates and a couple of people from New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, randomly show up and it becomes a big, exciting tournament. Um, nobody there recognizes Harana, even after she talks using her normal voice. Everyone says to herself, <laughs> boy, that girl sure is familiar. Oh, well. Um, including Tiger Mask slash Naoto, someone who lives with and talks to her every day, does not recognize her voice um, or face or hair or anything. Anyway... Um, <laughs> They have a tournament, and they promise that the uh, fan favorite who wins the most valuable wrestler uh, will win uh, 10 million yen. That's what Fukuwara Mask promises. So uh, Haruna participates in a match with some female wrestlers, and uh, she loses. Uh, Milk manages to pin Haruna uh, because Haruna is not a professional wrestler, and she doesn't know what (laughs) she's doing. Um... (laughs) The main event is uh, Fukuwara Mask and Tiger Mask versus Naito and Evil, who are other right. uh, Jap- actual real-life Japanese wrestlers um, who drove a truck with the ring there in order to make fun of the people for having such a dumb tournament. And then once they show up, uh, they say, well, I might as well wrestle in this tournament. Um <laughs> they drag they drag Tiger Mask and Fukuwara Mask around to food stalls and throw food at them, uh, and then end up back in the ring. Somehow, despite all that, they lose the match. Um, well, naturally. It turns out that Fukuwara Mask stuffed the ballot box, and he uh, won the most valuable wrestler and the non-existent prize money. Um, 
but he actually wrestled so well that everyone wanted him to win anyway, and then everyone went home. The end. <laughs> so, you brought this to my attention earlier. Well, why don't you just go ahead and bring it up? The, the reason for this episode, most likely. Well, uh, I did see today that... Uh, there's a big match coming up in real-life New Japan Pro Wrestling featuring a tag team of Naito and Evil. Um, so they're, you know, they're a tag team in real life. They're one of the hot commodities in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, so they're probably just getting some more exposure to reinforce some upcoming events that they have. Yeah, basically. So this entire episode was really just meant to be a kind of roundabout way to get some marketing going on for their big match. Yeah, because it added nothing to the plot. Nobody... Right. Like, the only thing it added, I think, is that Fukuwara Mask knows who Spring Tiger is. Which, okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> like, who cares? Like... I mean, the <sighs> the only way that that's important to me is if the greatest fan theory is true... And Fukuwara Mask is, in fact, Tiger the Great the Third. You mean, you mean the fan theory theory that we came up with? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we're fans. I mean, we're not <laughs> fans of Tiger Mask. But we're fans of other stuff, and we have a theory. Um, but yeah, no, I'm convinced that this is the whole thing was just a setup for that piece of information, and it's going to come up in like ten episodes when Tiger the Great the Third reveals that he knows who Spring Tiger is because he's also <laughs> Fukawara. He's going to take off he's going to take off his tiger mask and the Fukawara mask is going to be on underneath it. Oh my god, that will be the best. And like even, ignore even the fact because we know his we already know what he looks like Exa too. Exactly. You have to ignore the fact that they have completely different body types. I'm willing to believe that in one of those forms they're wearing like like, Fukuwara Mask is wearing a bodysuit with extra fat oh. on it. Oh, I'm sure that's what the case is. Yeah. And I want so desperately... We need to look up and see who the voice actor is for Fukuwara Mask and for Tiger the Thir the Great the Third. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure... I don't want to because I know we're wrong. I'm just gonna right. live in this delusion. Um, right, until it's finally revealed who he is. Yeah, I, I have a feeling... We're never going to know why Fukuwara Mask took his mask off. <laughs> well, we saw him again at the very end of the episode, because we saw, like, that man walking into the restaurant happily and calmly, and I think the idea was that that was supposed to be Fukuwara Mask. Oh. That makes sense. Uh, uh, because it looked kind of like how I remember him looking before. Yeah. No, I'm sure uh, you're right. Uh, one point, uh, one highlight I would like to point out is that there was a moment in this episode where... Uh, Evil and Naito, uh, basically threw, uh, they basically rushed Fukawara Mask and Tiger Mask outside of the stadium. Yeah. And began to, uh, assault them with food, and not particularly, like, dangerous food. We're talking about, like, throwing their faces in cotton candy and throwing messy noodles all over them. Yeah, I, and, that was very confusing. Uh, yeah, I don't quite understand. What was even more confusing was that the fact that uh, Naita at one point drags Fukawara back to the ring. And rather than uh, Tiger Mask rushing to stop him, he decides to take a moment to hose off. Because <laughs> Lord forbid that he, like, be messy before he run back into the ring and save, well, you yeah. know, and save his partner. And what got me is, where did the guy he was fighting go? Evil. Yeah, like, why Tiger. is he not dealing with Tiger Mask? <laughs> He's just letting him pause and take a shower? <laughs> uh, yeah, 
it was something. Yeah, it, it wasn't a great episode. It, but at least it wasn't truly offensive, which this show has definitely done before. Right. Well, don't forget we did have the uh, episode, the moment in the hot springs with Harna and the uh, oh. yeah candy pair. <laughs> yeah, and candy pair talking about how Harna has a great figure oh, yeah. and how because of that she needs to get into wrestling. Yeah. Which is weird because they know who Harna is. Yeah, they know she's a wrestler, but she needs to get more into wrestling like I, I guess the idea was that she needs to stop being a promoter and just focus entirely on her wrestling but gosh that's such a weird like transition also you just defeated her easily are you sure she needs to be a wrestler <laughs> but she she put up a good fight matt okay, all right whatever i mean there's i mean literally three female wrestlers in japan apparently so <laughs> Um, speaking of females, do you want to discuss uh, Manami Kamakura High School Girls Cycling Club? The animation? I really, I really don't, but I'm going to. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so, uh, beginning of this episode, we find, uh, Hiromi receives her new frame, which apparently all the parts were donated by local cyclists at the cafe that Chiki's sister runs. And apparently all she had to do to get that was basically tell a bunch of dudes that a high school girl needed bicycle parts. Which, you know... uh Uh, And then uh, they decide that what they need to do next as a not club is to (laughs) go on a big trip. Yeah. And... They kind of just, they need to agree on a place that's simultaneously not too far away, but also kind of off the beaten path. You know, someplace that they haven't gone before. And uh, they decide to go to the Miura Peninsula. There's this incredibly awkward scene where Hiromi te- brings her handlebars with her in the bath. Yeah. Which kind of got overshadowed by the fact that for no particular reason, Sandy McDoodle decided to stop by her house and join her in the bath. Yeah, so she just jumps in her bath completely naked because you know those Americans. Yeah, you know those Americans just wanting to jump in the bath, I guess. (laughs) They have Uh, no sense for cultural mores, those Americans. (laughs) They have no decency, apparently. I know, I know. Says a girl from... A ranch in Colorado? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, they we go into this whole thing where apparently they arrive at the uh, Miura Peninsula, and Hiromi and Sandy are really excited to go to a park, and then that sort of glanced over. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sandy apparently has her own uniform now, because why not? <laughs> and... The girls just sort of ride around for a while. They decide that they're going to go to see Mount Fuji sometime. <laughs> because Kamakura has Mount Fuji. And apparently that has never come up in the show until now. And uh, at the very end of the episode, Furuni falls asleep for about ten minutes. And during that time, Shiki abandons them. <laughs> and that's where the episode ends. Yeah. Um. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, and then uh, AOP segment, we find out where we can find some really delicious sweets in uh, Kamakura. <laughs> it's definitely not an ad. Go- definitely not an ad for Kamakura. Just, you know, if you want to go to a scenic, you know, you want to ride around Kamakura and go to a scenic viewpoint. Hey, you know, there's this nice little cafe that ha- that sells like chocolate treats for 10,000, for only 1,000 yen. Yeah. They said the price. I don't remember if it was exactly 1,000 yen, but they said the price. Yep. They were like given the menu. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, this episode was terrible. <sighs> um, there were just so many unexplainable things. I mean, this is what the show does, is it sets up 
a conflict and then immediately resolves it in a completely illogical way. So, like, we had a conflict early in the episode where they decided they wanted to go on a ride together during the day. Okay, that makes sense. That's normal. Hiromi got a new bike. She wants to ride with her friends. Oh, but how are we going to do it? Because Sandy only has a mommy bike. I don't know. Right. What are we going to do? Well, I guess, uh, you know, Cat Lady says, well, I'll let you rent one of my road bikes for free if you buy travel bags so you can go on the train with your bikes from me. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Well, then how will we buy these travel bags? We don't have enough money. And then Shiki immediately says, well, lucky for you, because you won the night criterium, you get extra funding. Even though you're not an actual club, they decided to make an exception for you. I just... Just make them a club! Yeah, like, is it... Why why go through all the trouble of explaining that there's a special exception because you're all so special that you can now buy travel bags in order to rent a bike for your new member who may or may not be in the non-existent club like it's so needlessly complex right like i mean so i guess the whole idea was that the author realized that they had that he had to have some kind of conflict during like when he was writing the original manga uh he had to have some kind of conflict so this so his idea was okay so the club needs to uh like, okay, so it's going to be that the club doesn't actually exist. They have to prove their worth. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, however, he kind of runs into the into the uh, roadblock of, okay, well, how are they actually going to, you know, fund a lot of their activities? Because, shoot, I chose a cycling as their activity, and it's super expensive. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they're going to get funding anyway. But we can't also, like, just make them a club because that destroys the entire central conflict of the show. Which has still not really been delved into very much because they basically are still just given everything. Exactly. They might as well be a club. Like, the principal gave them a house. Right. How are they not, like, how is that easier than making them a club? Yeah, like, why not just approve them? Because I guess she has to teach them some sort of weird, vague lesson about working hard, even though they have not worked hard once in this entire series. (laughs) They've just gotten everything for free. (laughs) Yeah, they've literally gotten everything for free, and then we just have a bunch of filler material of them riding around the town or occasional bath sequences, which I don't want to delve into too much, but... Yeah, it... I just want to address the fact, once again... Why did Hiromi have her handlebars in the bath? Because she just loves her new bike, Unico, so much. Right, because now the bike has a name, similar to Pontacoon from Long Riders. He's Unico, because he's like a unicorn, but a bike. Why? Because it has, like, a little light up in front? Mm -hmm. Like, so it looks a little bit like a horn, but that pretty much applies to all their bikes. Yeah, what bike doesn't have a light on the front? Right, exactly. Like... It, it's a it's dumb okay like yeah. there's no denying the, the last thing that gets me and you did mention it briefly is that uh sandy mcdougall somehow has a team uniform even though right. they got all these uniforms before sandy was on the team so presumably they would have just gotten four they're like oh how did sandy get one well we ordered an extra just in case just in case and you're like that okay was yeah so you randomly got an extra jersey 
in the exact size so that it fits Sandy. Like, you're not all identically sized people. Right, and I mean, I, I'm just going to touch on this briefly here. Like, Sandy is clearly more, cur- like, she's curvier than you girls. Yeah, and she's also like, taller than a lot of them. So Right, so, like, why did you think, just in case you got this taller, curvier girl on your team? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I mean, it, it makes no sense if you think about it at all, which goes for most of this show. Which kind of, like, to me, I guess, it really does show that this was a show that was written by a guy. Oh, yeah. Because... <laughs> Because it's like, uh, okay, so, uh, they get ordered another team jersey. Uh, do girls have different sizes than guys? Uh, like, just, it's, it's fine. It's normal sized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And then, just real brief, I also want to touch upon the fact that their instructor stranded her girls in a completely, like, isolated city without any supervision. Yeah, this is supposed to be a learning lesson, but... What happens when you take them on a school event and then abandon them by themselves and say... <laughs> Get strange it... new city. Exactly, and say, like, oh, well, getting lost is part of the fun. <laughs> like, that does not sound responsible. That sounds like when terrible things happen to them, you're going to be in trouble. Like, Yeah, basically. And not only that, but Fiona was only asleep for ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Like, she just, it's like, they had to have this conversation, which must have just lasted just, like, a couple of minutes at the very least. Uh Like, she's only been gone for about five minutes. I'm sure you guys can, like, if she just, like, bails on them, like, the other girls could be like, yeah, she went in that direction. I'm sure if we just, like, pedal pretty hard, we could probably catch up with her. Nope. Yeah, I know. It's stupid. And I mean, I know, but... I just, I really hate this show in a way I don't, like, I don't know if I hate it more than Days, but it's up there. <laughs> well, uh, if, if we hate it that much, we can move on to our final show. If you'd like to give me a uh, description of the independent and uh, totally standalone series, Takami and Nasu <laughs> Desu. Right, so, I mean, this is... <sighs> It's basically TQ Season 9, is what it is. Like, there's... Like, the girls are in, actually, several episodes anyway. Mm -hmm. Which is the funny thing. Like, uh... Like, really, the only difference is that now, uh... Yuki... Uh... Sorry, not Yuki. Uh... Yuri's brother is now part of the mix. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yota. And then they also introduce, uh... Nasuno's mother, who is apparently also, like, a little girl. Which is, I mean, whatever. I mean, her dad I mean, is Colonel Sanders, so... And her dad is Colonel Sanders. Also a statue at yeah. one... At, <laughs> where she's like, oh, no, that's my dad. It's like, oh, a sta- the statue looks like your dad? No, it's my dad. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Wah! Yeah. Yeah, good good impersonation. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I practiced really hard on it. I can, I can tell it paid off. Right. And, I mean, beyond that, I mean, it is basically just TQ. I mean, you get your general pretty decent gags. Uh, such as, uh, I do appreciate the fact that Nasuno has to stretch her neck up to see Yoda in his room because she doesn't want to climb, because, uh, Yoda's put up in a, uh, in a treehouse. Yeah, and so, if she, she, if she wanna... climbs the stairs, people will see her underwear, so she just stretches her neck. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought that was a funny visual, too. <laughs> right, and then, uh, she, she rides up to Yoda in a carriage, in a pumpkin carriage, because it's a part of Cinderella. What that has to do with anything, I don't know. Yeah. Uh... And then there's some other, there's a pretty decent gag in, like, episode four where Kanai gets stabbed in the head and doesn't seem to really mind. Uh, I mean, 
this it this is definitely a season though where it does kind of feel like they're starting to kind of stretch it a little bit thin. Yeah. Uh, like they have this very recurring gag with not like so the way that Nasuno travels around is that an eagle grabs her by the her ribbon that she wears on her head in this is like exclusively in this season. Uh huh. Uh, and basically, like, grabs her and just flies her around, just, like, straight by the head. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you know, it's a funny visual gag at first, and it's kind of funny when they bring it back. Uh, just, like, as being just like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's no big deal, that's just what Nasuno does. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of do it again in later parts of the season, and they're still kind of, like, reacting to it. And it's like, this is this is kind of beneath you guys. Mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, I think the... The show works best when the girls from TQ are around because their vibe of playing off each other is fun. It's also kind of it's kind of funny to see because Yota serves the the whole season as the straight man effectively, which is usually Yuri's role. Um, So it's funny to see the episode that have the TQ girls. Yuri shows up, and then she's also a gag character playing off Yota, so she's not played straight, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was a little clever, and they kind of addressed that, because she mentions, like, oh, I'm on break. It's your role. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, I thought that was a pretty, like, funny little cheeky way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I... It's funny, because I think out of the girls, uh, I'm kind of, st- like, uh, Nasuno and Konoe are kind of... I'm kind of split between which are my favorite. It's kind of like choosing your favorite Skittle, admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's like, they, they would probably be my favorite of the girls because they probably have the most defined personality. So, you know, I, I definitely think it worked, like, following Nasuno works as a spinoff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, why not just make another season of TQ? Because that's basically what this is. Yeah, I think they might have wanted to do it just so they have one continuous story insofar as it's a story um, right. from beginning to end. Except they even have an episode later on where it's like, like, Yoda is basically not in an episode or two. And it's basically just the girls going around and doing, like, their normal thing because Nasuno buys an ice rink. Right. So Uh, they kind of got bored partway through the show, maybe. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of what it feels like at times. There is a great episode where they actually bring back something that's referenced where uh, Nasuno, where, like, there are apparently a bunch of evil evil organizations that are after Nasuno. Which it kind of, you kind of... They kind of, like, drop that immediately, but they actually have an episode about that where one of the head of Madness um, captures Nasuno and you find out he's a certified lifeguard (laughs) uh, because Nasuno keeps doing things that are getting her killed. Yeah. But somehow she pops out all right. And the very end of the episode just ends with her head exploding. (laughs) Just because, like, nothing really happens. It's just they're walking along and her head explodes. Which, you know, I mean, again, it's funny, but... Like, I am kind of, it's like, I really do enjoy TQ, but I am kind of looking forward to getting our last spinoff next week. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive that this season, though, was somehow even less about sports than TQ. <laughs> and I mean, really, isn't that what you want out of TQ, is basically the season that's not about sports? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I think that, that wraps us up for this week. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I appreciate you joining me, as always, Matt. Yes, it's Um, my pleasure. Would you please hit the credits? I do it every week or so. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. 
make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.